Good morning, church. Just want to say good morning to everyone. So grateful that we're still able to connect. Uh, I hope you've had a great week. Just a reminder, as always, if you've not already, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the little bell beside it, uh, and you'll be notified every time we put a video on there, specifically the ones for Sunday. Uh, and if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to share the link. We would love uh, for this message to get out to your circle of friends. Um, we are missing you guys. I don't know about you, but it is extremely weird to not be together on Sunday morning. Uh, but we will make the best of it that we can. So I just want to welcome everybody, um, those that knew us prior and those that are connecting with us online, regardless of whether you're watching this on Sunday morning or later, we're grateful that you're with us. We think, I think that today uh, there's a very familiar story that we're going to be going through in Luke 15 that you've probably heard if you've been in and around church, but we want to look at with eyes um, specifically as eyes that we're going through what we're going through right now. It can feel like we're isolated, like we're quarantined. And so this morning, my one thing that I want you to hear and I want you to understand and I want you to trust is that God is a pursuing God. Since the beginning of time, God has been pursuing. I don't know who showed me this um, at, at what time along my faith journey that I discovered this. But, you know, the story of Adam and Eve, you see their fall. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, why did they do that? Well, the coolest thing that happened much later after reading this and seeing this in the text is that they failed. They did the one thing. God only gave them one rule in this perfect environment. And the one thing that God asked them not to do, they did. And as soon as they did it, they felt that something had changed because something they had never done before, they automatically started doing, which was hiding from God. I think we've been doing that since the time of Adam and Eve, that we have been hiding from God. And you know what? The, the, the imagery that I love about that story is Adam and Eve hid when God came into the garden. But what did God do? God asked where they're at. He knew where they're at. But God pursued them. Go look at it through the lenses that God didn't go, oh my gosh, they did something that I told them not to do. I'm never speaking to them again. No, he pursued them. And since then, he has been pursuing us. Since then, he has been finding ways that his people can connect to him. And today we want to look through a couple of stories, a couple of parables that God, Jesus used specifically to talk about this idea. One of them's the lost sheep, one of them's the lost coin, and one of them is the lost son, the prodigal son, which is a, a, a text of scripture that you've probably heard before. And I know I say this a lot when we're looking through texts that are familiar to us, to not Turn off your brain. Don't stop thinking um, that God doesn't have something new for you this morning through something that may be familiar. So to prepare us to hear that, let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that right now we have the ability to worship you, to praise you in spite of our circumstances. And to be completely honest, most of, that, most of us here in the U.S. have it really well. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see what you think about those that aren't yours, the ones that you're pursuing. And I pray that we would see ourselves through those lenses, even if we know that we're a child of God. Sometimes it's so easy for us to feel disconnected, so easy for us to feel like he doesn't care, so easy for it to feel like... Oh, you know, he's not pursuing. So, Lord, I pray that you would change the way we think based on your word, which is how this works. And, Lord, we just ask that the power of the living God through the Holy Spirit would interact with us today, right now, wherever we're at, that the the power of the Holy Spirit would interact, that we would have a not only a conversation with you today, but we would hear your voice and it would move us to know more about you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The tension that we sometimes feel with this, so God is a pursuing God, which is a truth. The tension is that sometimes it doesn't feel like he's pursuing. You could be completely isolated. You could be home alone right now and it may be Feeling as lonely as you ever have and maybe feeling like, oh my gosh, like God doesn't care about me. If God cared about me, these things wouldn't be happening. I wouldn't be stuck here. Fill in your blank. But the truth is that sometimes even when it doesn't feel like it, we know because partly we're going to see in the text today. That God, in spite of how we feel, is still doing things behind and around us and through us to connect with his present, current children and his future children. So we're going to jump right into Luke 15. We're going to cover a fair amount of scripture and I'm going to read through it. We're going to talk through it. I'm going to give you some applications that I think the text warrants us to act on. So we pick up the story in Luke 15, in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him. These people, these people, that the religious of the day would have nothing to do with. They would ostracize them. They would not be welcome in the synagogue. They would not be welcome in the places of worship. They would be isolated and removed from everyone else. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbled. The Pharisees and the scribes, those are the religious leaders within the Jewish community. They were grumbling and saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Can I get a thank the Lord that that is who we serve? That is the Jesus that we worship, that he allowed and welcomed tax collectors and sinners to come to him. I'm so grateful that he was not concerned what the religious elite, what the religious community would think about him welcoming those into his area, into relationship with him, into their being able to hear. And so he's. He's seeing this going on with these Pharisees. He's seeing these going on with the scribes. And he wants to 
teach them something. This is what Jesus does all the time. He interacts with what's going on. And I'm going to just tell you that God is interacting with you right now with things that are going on around you. Circumstances that are happening to you right now. God, I believe, is trying to connect you through these things. So this thing was going on and Jesus told them some parables. Parables is just a story used to communicate a truth. So in verse 3. So he told them this parable, the scribes and the Pharisees. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, being a shepherd, having a hundred sheep, if he has one, if he has lost one of them, does not he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost? Until he finds it. Does he not do that? He cares about all of them. Even the ones that have separated. He goes after it until he finds them. And in verse 5 it says, And when he has found it, the sheep, he lays, his, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, celebrating. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. In verse 7 it says, Just so I tell you, this is Jesus, that there will be more rejoicing over a sinner, over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, we know that all of us huh, need repentance. None of us are perfect to say we warrant no further repentance. But Jesus is Pulling them back into this mindset that these are the ones that were supposed to be calling the people of the world to the Father. And Jesus is coming in telling them this. You know, if, if I lost the one, I would go after them. I would leave the others and go after the other ones. Why does that one matter so much? Because it's his. It's his sheep. There is value in that which is lost. There's value in those that aren't with us. In Isaiah uh, 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was a proclamation of what Jesus would do for us. That have all walked away. Have all went our own way. And God was calling them back. So now the parable of the lost coin in verse 8. It says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, valued at a day's wage. That's what she lost. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it. Who wouldn't do that if you lost a day's wage somewhere in your house? Sweep and find it. In verse 9 it says, And when she found it, she calls together her friends. Look at the celebration again. We'll see celebrations in all three of these stories. She calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
Because that's what Jesus came to do. Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then we get to one of the most famous, in my opinion, um, well, a very famous story about the prodigal son. Which there's lots of things that are going to go on in here that we'll talk through as we go. One thing that I do want you to know from the beginning is if you've always thought that the story of the prodigal son was about that one son who did wrong, who was separated from God, you are missing part of the story. And you'll see him pursue both. There isn't just one lost son, there's two lost sons. And look at, think that as we go through the text, there's one son that literally takes what he has and he exits the picture. He goes and he blows the money. And then we have one son that out of his own personal righteousness isolates himself from the father, which we'll see in a minute. But I want you to have that in mind. Picking it up in verse 11. It says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them, between the two sons. This son literally tells his father, I wish you were dead because you didn't get the property or the money, the inheritance until the father was gone. So the one son comes to the father while he's still living and says, basically, I wish you were dead. Go ahead and give me what I want. And what does the father do? The father do? The father does exactly what the son wants. In verse 13, it says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far off country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. <laughs> so he went off. He, he got all that he wanted. Left his father and his brother and everything that he knew. And he went to this thing that, why, we don't know. But he went there thinking, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And he blows through all of his money. And not only is he now broke, but now there's a famine which has made it even more difficult to survive. In verse 15 it says, So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. This was a big deal. Pigs were an unclean animal in the Jewish culture. They would not touch them. They would not have anything to do with them. They definitely weren't consuming the beauty that comes from pigs, which is bacon. I'm sorry if that offended you. Bacon's good. In verse 16, it says, he was longing to be fed with the paws that the pigs ate. He was longing to eat the pig's love. And no one gave him anything. And in verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. So he's sitting there, he's, he's got to the end of his financial resources, he's got to the end of his line, let's just say. He's doing a job that 
He hates me. He's thinking, man, if I just go back to my father and become a hired man, someone that gets paid to do a certain job, not being a son, but going back to just be able to survive, just be able to get bread. Verse 18, it says, I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. On a side note, have you ever, I know I have, have you ever practiced that speech that you've done something wrong, either when you were a child or and maybe with your spouse, that you practiced that speech of how you're going to repent or apologize and you rehearsed it in your head and that's what he's doing. He's like, okay, I, I need to get, I need to. This is what I'm going to tell my father. This is what I have planned out. And he's telling the father what he should do with him. Which I'm glad the father doesn't. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And I, I love this. In verse 20 it says, But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father, who the son told, I wish you were dead, give me what's coming to me so I can leave you. Definitely was not honoring him. Definitely was not taking it into any consideration what it would mean for him to do what he did. But that father was waiting for the return of the son. He was waiting and he sees him from a long way off coming. The father felt compassion on him and he ran. In this culture, running was a big deal, especially for one of the, the men of honor, the father of the house, to run to them, embrace him, and kiss him. He didn't, which I probably would, because, you know, I'm not as compassionate at times. Parents, have you struggled during this um, stay at home order um, just to? Be this kind of compassionate and um, concerning with your children, with all the things that are going on as they're stuck in the house. But the father ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. He gave him no opportunity to give his little speech yet. The father was waiting. In verse 21, it says, And the son said to him, the son's practiced his speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father ignores it. But the father said to his servant, even after the practice speech comes out of his son's mouth, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. He's pulling him back into his previous position. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring a fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. 
Could you imagine being the younger son? Maybe you have felt that coming to Jesus at some point in your life. You felt like you were that prodigal son that ran off, that you did everything that you wanted. You knew, I'm missing. I have messed up. There's no illusion like the Pharisees that I don't have no need of repentance. There's acknowledgement. You know that you needed Jesus. But could you imagine how this son felt after his practice speech speech comes out of his mouth and the father re-identifies him as his son, bringing the cloak, putting the ring on, giving him the shoes, ordering the servants to go kill the fattened calf that they were going to celebrate. And remember, this story is imagery of what God thinks about those that return, those that he pursues, who, that, that in the pursuit turn, which is what the son finally did. He turned and he returned home. Now we see the older son in verse 25. It's now his older son was in the field. And as he came, he drew, it came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. He's like, oh man, I've been out in the field. And there, there's, there's a party going on. Like, what is going on? In verse 26, and he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. He called somebody as he was approaching the house here in the party and go, what's going on? And the servant said to him, your brother. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Okay. If you have one of those little brothers, and I was a little brother. If you have one of those little brothers that you're like, oh my goodness. Like, I can imagine his right, righteous indignation, his aggravation with his little brother, because he understands what the brother did, he's going to say. He understands probably even more than we can even fathom, because he was with the father as the son left. He was with the father day in, day out, as the father was longing for the son to return. And he's angry at his little brother. He says, your little brother has come and the father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Could you feel the, the buildup of this older brother going, hmm? And his father came out and entreated him. Oh, sorry, in 28 it says, but he was angry and refused to go in. And, and this is a big deal. When the father of the house, the, the, the patriarch of the house says that there's a celebration and invites people into it. And you intentionally, willfully do not enter into the celebration. You're dishonoring your father. And he's like, I'm not going in. The father has forgiven. It was the father's right to forgive the son doesn't think that the other brother should be forgiven. He's angry. He's outside. And the father comes to him, which is, in this culture is a big deal for the father still pursuing the older son, too. Because he's missing out on what's going on inside. He's missing the opportunity that they received back. And he's going to be angry and stand outside. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look. These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours, could you feel the, the vile that was coming out of him? 
But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. He doesn't want to enter into his father's joy because of his own personal righteousness. He was he was trusting in his own righteousness, goodness, just like the Pharisees and the scribes. He was missing out on this celebration. And I think that as we think about God pursuing people, there's some people in your life that God is going to pursue. God is going to redeem. God is going to bring back from the edge of darkness. And there's some righteous people listening to this that are going to be angry. Why would God do that? Let me just tell you, God does what he wants because he's God. Because God's a pursuing God. He wants us to understand. He wants you to understand that right now that God will do everything. Even things that we don't understand to draw our hearts back to him. I believe that part of what's going on in this culture right now with this coronavirus is I think God's trying to get our attention. And no, I'm not saying that God brought the coronavirus and he's doing that. I'm not, this is not a prophetic thing. This is just, I believe that God right now is doing things in our world to get our attention. Because he wants you to know that he will go to any measure to get you back. And there's some of us listening to this right now. That you're the righteous son. Just like what we talked about last week with this, this exterior clean outside of the cup. You're missing what God has for you because you're unwilling to allow God to pursue you because you think, I'm good. And I just want you to know that God's always going to be working on you. If you think you're per perfected, you're wrong. You may be a million miles away from where you were. But God's not done with you. And if you don't allow God to continue the work in you, you won't get to where he desires for you to be. So you remember the tension that I mentioned earlier? Sometimes it doesn't feel like he's pursuing, right? How do you think the sheep the coin, and the sun felt until they were found. Think about that. I know you're thinking, like, Heath, this is really weird. I get the sun part, but does the sheep and does the coin think? But just think about it. Put yourself in that position. Because if God is a God who pursues, and he is, the ones that was pursued is the sheep, the coin, and the sun. Think about yourself as the sheep that's 
separated, isolated, for whatever reason, is lost from the rest and is scared. And he's like, oh, the shepherd, he cares more about the 99. He's not coming after me until the moment the shepherd comes into view. The shepherd picks him up and joyfully carries him back to the rest of the herd. Same thing with the coin. How did the coin get lost? We don't know. But can you imagine the coin underneath the dirt or the cloth or wherever it was hidden in the room now going, oh my gosh, they don't care for me until the coin gets picked up by the woman and realized how much it's valued. See, the problem is until we see it, and I want you to have enough faith to believe that God is pursuing when God captures you, when God redeems that part of you, there's going to be joy and celebration. I need you to feel, remember and acknowledge that even in the middle of it, when you feel lost, that God's coming. His son, can you imagine what he felt? I'm sure in his, you know, the, the length because he didn't, he didn't come to this conclusion immediately. He took this other job doing something he would never do, thinking, I will never be welcomed back home. And finally, at the end of his rope, he was like, well, I, you know, I, I will just offer myself to be a hired hand in my father's house. He wasn't expecting becoming a son again. Until the father ignored his speech and welcomed him back and celebrated because the son back. Just because you can't feel it doesn't mean he's not actively pursuing you right now. And I don't know what that means for you. I, I know there's people listening to this right now that are just going, nope, not getting anything out of this. I don't know what's going on. Um, I, I don't even remember the last time I opened my Bible. And, and there, there's a disconnect because you relied, which is good, but you relied on this Connection that we had on Sunday mornings. And because you haven't had this, you've allowed yourself to kind of step back from the presence, from the joy, from all the things that God was doing with you before. And I just want to tell you that in the middle of this isolation, God is pursuing you. You can have the same connection, the same feeling right now in your house. The presence, like I prayed at the beginning of this, the presence of the living God can interact with you in your room. Now, wherever you're watching this. And what about those that you've been praying for, the ones that have been lost? I want to, I want to tell you, just like the, uh, the story of the persistent widow, keep praying, keep praying, and keep asking God to do everything in His power to draw them back in, to pursue them, because God is a pursuing God. And one of my favorites, I really like this, this is a verse that um, in planting the reach, I just felt like this is part of the reason why we moved to this city. Acts 18, verses 10. It says, For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. And this is what I want you to hear. For I have many in this city who are my people. And I just want to tell you, that God is pursuing people in Brunswick County. God is pursuing people in Leland. That you will be shocked when he captures them. 
He has many in this city. This is why we still continue the work. This is why in spite of not being able to physically meet together, we're encouraging you right now to up your level of prayer for our city because God is in the business of pursuing. He is in the business of gathering. And there is no stay-at-home order that's going to stop God from changing people's life. And no, I'm not saying go and break the rules and, and enter into people's houses and all these things. All I'm saying is that right now, your phone is a powerful weapon for the kingdom. You can text encouragement scriptures. You can call somebody. You have no idea what it will mean for someone to know that you're thinking about them. So as we close, I, I just want to say, if you're watching this and you felt like, man, I don't know that God's ever, why would he want to pursue me? I believe that if you're watching this and you're feeling that, I want to tell you, he would pursue you because he's the only one that can fix what's going on in your life. He's the only one that can restore. He's the only one that can bring you back to that place of being son or daughter. And if that's where you're at today, I just encourage you, pursue him. Reach out to us. Connect with us. Because I, I'm going to tell you that today, right now, sitting in your bedroom, living room, in your car, riding down the road, hopefully not watching this riding down the road, maybe listening to it. Right now, God could encounter you. Right now, you could, you could be that prodigal son who finally turns around and heads to the Father and hears what the Son heard. My son has returned. Let us celebrate. So if that's you this morning, acknowledge your need for Jesus. Understand first and foremost who Jesus was, that he came to set for us a sacrifice in himself to make us have the ability to become sons and daughters and be cleansed. It was his sacrifice that set that in motion. And you can pray at the end of this and ask Jesus to, not ask Jesus to become part of your story, that you could invite yourself into the story of God and say, I want to be your child. Cleanse me, purify me, make me whole. If that's something that happens to you, reach out to us reach uh, uh, out to us by email, info at reachcommunitychurch.com. We would love to know. We'd love to send you resources and help you along that journey for everyone else that's maybe just struggling with this. I want to tell you, keep pursuing. Do not be discouraged. And, and if you're sitting there wallowing in that discouragement, trust that God is pursue, pursuing you right now. And let somebody that you know, somebody that you love, know how you're feeling. Because we want to be an encouragement to you. We want to acknowledge that God is in the business of pursuing you. Let's pray. Dearly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that we have any hope of being the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the prodigal son. 
The one that you pursued, the one that you, with joy, captured, brought back to yourself. And I pray right now, Lord, for those that this morning may be the morning that they acknowledge their need, their desire for you. And they begin the journey of being a follower of Christ where they lay down their life for you. As you lay down your life. So, Lord, I pray that you bring restoration this morning. You set things right that weren't. And for those that just feel absent, they feel disconnected, Lord, I pray that the peace uh, and power of your spirit would just invade their room, their space right now. Lord, we acknowledge that you are in the business of pursuing. Help us see and respond when you do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, we are grateful for another Sunday of this online experience. We're grateful that you took time today to spend some time with us. And we want to continue to remind you, connect with us. Connect with your, if you were in a community group and you haven't heard from them in a while, check with your people. Because we want to know that when this is, we want you to know when this is done, we're here for you. I mean, we're here for you now. And if you have any needs, you need something that we can help you with, reach out to us on social media, reach out to us through Messenger, um, reach out to us through our email, info at reachcommunitychurch.com, and we would love to help you. And until we see you next time, we love you. We'll see you later.